Hello and welcome to another episode of the Community Fabric podcast, where we bring the networking community to the table to talk about the things that matter to them most in their day to day. I'm Darren Falwell, your host for today's recording, and today I'm talking to someone that I'm sure many in the community will be familiar with. Ethan, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so hi, Darren. Uh, my name's Ethan, uh, and I'm a core network engineer at Zen Internet in the UK. That sounded almost like an Alcoholics Anonymous uh, kind of kind of intro there. <laughs> um, yeah. um, obviously, we we've known each other for a little while, uh, mate, and uh, it's it's always good to speak to you. So uh, thanks for thanks for joining me with this. No, anytime. It's an absolute pleasure. Always good yeah. to catch up with you. Yeah, it's good. Quite a long it's, time now. Well, yeah, yeah, it's been a little while, and you've been you've been doing some stuff in between, right? You've you've this isn't your first podcast recording in recent weeks, is it? No, it's not. Um, if you can see the video, you can see that I've got the exact same jacket on that I was wearing. Yeah, of network engineering. Right, cool. So you've been speaking to AJ and, and Andy and the guys. Yeah, yeah. We uh, jumped on a call a couple of weeks ago, uh, did, did another little podcast recording. So, yeah, we're good fun, apart from Just... staying up really early in the morning. <laughs> but uh, yeah I like the way you just put another little podcast recording yeah that's, uh, <laughs> that's, says a lot for your how your life has changed my friend 100% it's just been on the up I think it's how, how many years now four or five years that we've we've just been chatting so, so something like that yeah yeah but uh, so go, so go on then what we wanted to do really to, today with our little chat was to I suppose compare experiences with um how things are as as a network engineer in the world as it, as it is now and how it was when when I was finding my way I suppose and and doing I mean we talk about this sort of nonsense all the time right but it's but it's interesting to to do these comparisons I suppose and and see how much better things are or, or worse that they are now and and where where the industry's going and whether we think it's you know that's that's taken us in the right direction um, and I kind of wanted to dig into that a little bit um so so let's start with the beginning seems like a good place to start oh, that sounds like a song um how did you get started in this nonsense what what was it that you attracted you to networking and on on what was it how did you end up here uh so i'll be completely honest um when i was in school i didn't really do great um i ended up actually leaving school at 16 with a single gcse uh in it um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, to be completely honest. Right. Um, I actually wanted to be a chef when I was leaving school. Nice. But I, but I didn't want to travel two hours to the closest like hospitality college. <laughs> so I was kind of given the option either go out, get a job or just, just go to college. Um, so I started off at Burnley College just doing a level one IT, just generic computers, um, showing that you can use uh Outlook, Word, Excel spreadsheets, that sort of stuff. Um, and then it was more so the second year where things like kind of really kicked off for me. So when you went into year two, it was either you start off on software or you had networking as well. Right. So I actually started out on software um, and you had like a little bit of a grace period where if you didn't like one, you can move to the other. Right. And the first project that I actually had when I was doing the software was to build a bank ATM using C++ I think it was <laughs> so so you were so you, your programming <laughs> project was to to write an ATM yes using Amazing. C++ Amazing. um 
and after about a week I just kind of got to the point where I was just pulling my hair out and I was like I can't do this and I don't want to do it um and I moved on to the because people would use chat GPT for that now right (laughs) yeah 100% it's so so easy now (laughs) um so yeah so then I went on to the 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 networking course um and essentially I, I remember on my I think it was one of one of the first few days it was essentially just getting two PCs and plugged them into a switch and it was literally you just ping across and I saw them big exclamation marks when I pinged across and it was like a, a, a brain struck moment for me like Amazing. what how is that working um and literally from that exact moment I've just been been hooked um so that's kind of a, a short version of my getting that, to IT honestly that's that's really interesting because um so so for back when when I started this crazy stuff networking wasn't really a thing in the in offices generally it was it was getting there and people knew about it but there was a real it was a real mystique around it no one really understood it um you know sort of very the 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 education wasn't quite there the the you know people people didn't know what they wanted to use it for um so it so so my background very similar in a way that it's that it was much more general it that it was, um, I mean, my my education was always um, as general as possible until it needed to be specialised. And, and my teachers kept advising me, don't do IT, don't do IT, just because you might choose not to want to do it in the end. And, and with me, yeah. it, was all, it was never going to be anything. But, but I reached a point when I first started working, where I was working in application and desktop support, right? I was literally teaching people to use WordPerfect. Um, but that's but it's the same thing because then you get to a point where you go, yeah, but with WordPerfect, I want people to be able to save files on a file server or a central file store or, and use centralized printers. And it's that whole hooking things together and having the, you know, the light bulb moment. Yeah. We go, how does that work? What does that do? You know, how does, <laughs> how does this happen? And all of a sudden you're away, right? 100%. Yeah yeah it's so so once you'd got got that initial hook there's there's then a learning process you've got to go through i suppose to un- start to understand why and how and, and and what that looks like what does that what does that look like for you guys i mean what 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 was that what what did you have to go through i mean you're at college anyway right studying this stuff but yeah so um on the level two, um, it was pretty much just going through the NETICA course and um, for the old CCMT. Right. Um, right. Your... So it's the Cisco, sorry, the Cisco NETACAD um, uh, uh, syllabus, right? Yeah, so you, right, you okay. work on that as well. Um, but obviously you have certain modules that, that you have to complete outside of the actual, yeah. um, outside of the NETACAD course. Um, so that that is kind of where the foundation started to be laid sure um getting your your lab set up on on packet tracer um going through all the specific modules kind of doing your own crimping cables that sort of stuff i was gonna say i was gonna say so it's good to still be doing the physical stuff and understanding how all that stuff hangs together right because you know there's i was starting to get a little bit worried there for a second you'd gone straight (laughs) onto onto ping and and not not understood how things hang together so that's good yeah, so um, I think it was just because I kind of started a little bit late and they, they kind of already gone through, you know, the RJ45s, your cables, um, 
yeah, MDX, all, all that sort of stuff. So I, I kind of came in a bit later with like starting just a week after. Um, but yeah, I mean, you go through, you're crimping your cables, um, which I really disliked. I still can't do it <laughs> to this day very neatly. Um, yeah, and then so I, so I finished my level two and then for my level three, um, it was either potentially having a look at an apprenticeship going out to a business, getting hands-on, yeah. learning more about how things work. Or I could have stayed and done um, a level three, which, again, is, is a lot more theory. Um, right. and, the, and, the, and the best way that I learn is, is being hands-on. Through practice, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So rather than just all theory-based, actually getting hands-on, doing something, um, working with different people, uh, working yeah. with all various different departments, pretty much – I don't like being kind of sat around. I like to be yeah. go, 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 100%. Um, and, and yeah, that's sort of where my full trajectory started. Um, sure. he's, he's on the apprenticeship, working with all the different people, working yeah, with... Yeah, I was going to say, so so there you're you're basically building on other people's experiences, right? And you, you're, you're learning as you go based on how they do things now and then start to form up your own opinions, I suppose, as to how that can be done going forward right yeah a hundred percent and i mean that so obviously my i i started going um on my trajectory upwards and um one of the engineers who i started on the apprenticeship uh on the apprenticeship with so he was a, a tier two engineer at the time right fast forward six years we're now working on the same team together there you go so, there you go uh, so we'll we'll talk more about how you got to that stage <laughs> in, in a bit but but I think I think this is this is an important point right the, the I guess what you've got here is the support of of almost mentors right and and people who are prepared to to put the time and energy into making sure that they bring other people on with them and uh, and and upskill them so that there's someone to to fill the gap once they move on and and do whatever they're doing right so you know that that side of things is is always super important and i think i think that's that's again a theme right in in it more generally but but certainly something that i can relate to as well you know when when i was at that those early stages working with people who were able to give me the benefit of their experience was really really important um I guess there is a difference now, which we didn't have then, which is which is the 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 way the community can can contribute to that. Because at the moment, well, we'll talk about that in a second. But the community <laughs> is everything, right? And and I think when and at the time when I was doing this, certainly your community was a lot smaller. It was the people you worked with, and and um, potentially you know um, occasional meetings um, outside of that, but but very rare. Um, so you had to almost build your your um, community based on on choosing the right place to work in order to 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 develop yourself. But of course now that's that's um, a lot easier, right? With the way we yeah. do things in the community now. What what are your experiences of, on the community side of things? Obviously, people know you as as um, Ethernet, right? On on Twitter. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So I mean, the, the community is a great place. I mean um you, you can pretty much go to anybody within the networking community everybody will be happy to help i think you really hit the nail on the head like when you compare it to potentially when you first started networking it you, you didn't really have things like twitter or linkedin no. or things like slack or discord to actually be able to actually have a chat and to 
discuss things it had to kind of be in person yeah but i and, think and learning from books and stuff like that was was much more yeah. the the way you had to do things because you had no choice right there wasn't anything else that's why i've got all these books behind me <laughs> most of these most of these are you know ancient books from from those sorts of times but but that's it you know it was all about that and and it was slow and it was it was tough and and you had to have a a kind of academic inclination i think a little bit in order to to really get to the bottom of things and i think that's a that's immeasurably different now with with yeah. the community i think it's a much more open um environment as a result because we can get people who aren't academically inclined or people who have much more creative much more uh I don't know, able to to sustain um, <laughs> relationships with real people, um, you know, you know, that kind of thing, which which was difficult for the for, for us oldies. Um, but I think, you, you know, the world is a different place. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the thing sort of like just going off on a little bit mm. of a tangent. So well, the, the, as we the, as we the, always do, mate, as we <laughs> always do. So the, the, the fundamentals of networking are are always going to essentially be the same so it was like when, when you first started started probably studying for your ccie uh the jeff doyle ccpr people it's it's one of the the main books so you've got up there on your shelf and i think that came out the year that i was born oh don't do that <laughs> wow but it's like even though the foundations of networking of changing it's just how can we evolve networking into better practices yeah and and kind of what what can we do to make it easier on the person i, so, I like it i like your thinking there because it's that, that's exactly where we are i think is that the um and there's um <laughs> i don't know if you've ever read um rfc 1925 right it's a bit of a classic read that, that people should all all look at the um the networking truths uh, rfc and there's there's um rule 11 um is that that um there's uh, basically there are no new ideas in networking and, and everything is um has always already been invented and we're just repackaging the same ideas over and over that's exactly the the, the case when we know that we know that that you know sd wan when it was introduced was just tunnels and we used to do tunnels all the time back in the day you know whatever it is there's there's always that that repeating um because the fundamentals don't change as you rightly point out i think the what tends to happen is we we slap these abstraction layers on and it hides away some of the detail that perhaps we don't need to understand in as much you know uh, to, to the same level as we as we used to um but ultimately the, there's a reason for that and what we're trying to do is exactly as you say trying to make it more consumable more uh agile uh more stable more available and look at that as a service rather than as a technology that we're trying to implement and i think that that's where we're trying to get to right um, yeah definitely yeah that's a really really good point i think that's that's kind of driven certainly a lot of what i've done over the last i don't know five six years or whatever through the design work that i did and everything was as much about Yes, the technologies are important and putting those technologies together to deliver service is more important because it needs to be 
answering a business requirement, but also it needs to be supportable and it needs to be maintainable and it needs to be these other soft things that yeah. actually are as relevant to what the technologies you deploy as can I tweak this thing to to do that? You know, it's yeah. it's really, uh, really, really important. So, yeah, really good fundamental point there, mate. And I completely yeah. derailed the conversation there with that. So, uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say, I mean, on, on top of what, what you just said there exactly, there are some sort of caveats in, in regards to actually getting to the final destination. Right. You could say, which kind of leads us into the next thing that we could potentially maybe jump into. So you've got to have certain steps in place to obviously get you to where you need to be. Right. So got certain things that you want to do so if you've got a task that's very repetitive so what what can we do to stop this being repetitive on the person stop this being a manual job but then it kind of leads us back to the place where it's not very often that you get brand new greenfield networks that come about today i'd say like 90 95 are more than likely going to be brownfield deployments yeah, you know why? Because so that's because because my generation put in the the greenfield, and uh, and you guys are <laughs> fixing all the problems that we we put in the first place. Yeah, definitely not. So yeah, so obviously if you, if you've got all these brownfield networks that are obviously still coming in, you can't just use automation as an example just willy nilly. It's exactly right. as we said. We need to have a foundation built that we can build upon to get you from the start of the journey to your end, end destination. That, but it, there's obviously requirements that, that have to be met. Yeah. There's obviously certain things that, that you have to potentially work around. Do you have the staff to maintain it? How do you know who's going to actually do the implementing? Have you got people who know how to actually do what you want? It's an interesting point, I think, because Basically, I mean, I the way I tried to design networks before I really got involved in the automation was to make them supportable, right? To, to, you know, it was it was uh, you you walk into an environment, and go, I've got all of these technologies to choose from. How am I going to do this? What am I going to piece together? And you could look at the bleeding edge stuff and go, I could deploy this and do this and do this, but then it's super complex for someone who's never seen it before to come in and learn how to do it, right? Yeah. And and so so what I always tended to do was to start with those those requirements. So you just said there, right, Pull, pulling the almost the the, the non-functional requirements out and go, actually, before I even start any of this, someone's got to support this. Someone's got to learn the technologies that I deploy if, if I'm introducing new ones before they can even support it in the first place. How is it going to get maintained? What happens if the people what happens if I leave and I take all the knowledge of these new tech, this new tech with me? What what does that leave people with afterwards? And yeah. and so you start to look at it from that perspective of how it's going to be used and consumed rather than what functionality does it have? And it flips the whole thing on its head. And it's exactly like you say with then when you start to look at automation and layering that on top, again, you've got the same problem. We're being taught all these these cool things about programming and and ansible and and all the tooling and all the rest of it but it's still a minority of people who understand those things you deploy those things and not have without the support around them um 
without the people who've learned, you know, been trained to use it or whatever. And those things are just going to die as soon as someone walks away because you, you've not able to continue um, the development. Uh, continue the development. Exactly that. Exactly that. So, yeah, I, I'm with you completely on that. I think that makes a bunch of sense. Um, yeah. In, interesting that we find ourselves at this place because really it is just an extension of of what we were doing before. Um, it's just like you say, rather than worrying about what technologies we're deploying, we're now getting to the to the good bit, which is worrying about how to actually operate these things better. Yeah. And as you say, I mean, th there's going to be certain scenarios where, like you say, you've got the complex networks, which is going to be harder to to bring in and to start helping lay the foundation again. Whereas in, in network terms, I mean, I've heard it throughout my my career that the simpler the network, the better. <laughs> but it's now how can you piece together all these different parts of the network to make it more consumable, yeah. more efficient, better for the business? Obviously, I did these pros and cons, and I mean, the list could literally go on forever in a day. Oh, to be yeah, honest, could So, but then. It's not just certain functions that you've got. So obviously you could potentially use your Ansible, you could use your Python scripts, but then it's not just that that you have to worry about. You've then potentially, what do you want to do for, for validation? CRCD pipelines, GitHub, is your DevOps. It's a case of intertwining those into the full build. Yeah. So it's not just one thing that you're looking at. You've kind of got to picture all these different applications that can work together. This is this is what, what I was thinking, that, that the complexity that we've got. So 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 again, looking at, at the the design of the network and the technologies and, and the build, the complexity in that is isn't necessarily that you're using a technology that's hard to understand. If you simplify and you said about the keep it simple principle and all the rest of it, that's all good stuff. But if you but you're still going to have a a number of moving parts, right? You're still going to have yeah. different domains in the network, potentially different vendors or, or whatever. And you have to understand really the complexity then comes in the way these things work together, right? So it's yeah. how how much um, interaction there is between those different parts of the network and how deep those interactions are um and again i, I refer to um to russ white as i always do with these things um who's who's kind of the master at uh, explaining these things but he always talks about that complexity as being those those the the breadth of the interaction and the depth of the interaction as being what, what adds to, to network complexity but that is that's true not just in the networking technologies, but also in the tooling that you're using from an operational standpoint. So you just you just touched on this. And it's a really good point that you can have a dozen tools to look after all these things. And that's super tough because you don't you've got to then work out, right? How does the end tool interact with this one to give an output and whatever else? So again, that that managing that tool sprawl. Um, is something that that's super important now back in my day here we go here's here's a <laughs> history lesson again um th there weren't that many tools right you know you, yeah. you literally had to to make them up as you went went along um to a lot to a great extent but then networks were simpler 
you know, back, back in in the, the 90s, before the World Wide Web, networks were literally contained within a building. You'd have servers would be just doing file services and print services. That's it. You know, there, there would be no real complexity in, in what you were trying to deliver over the network because it was all about sharing resource. But really, once the World Wide Web hit, everyone realized, oh, man, the brains were exploded because you could now distribute applications worldwide if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, and and that really is what started the ball rolling, the, the, the dependency on on networking, the um, the ideas and the innovation around the delivery of applications really stem from that time. There were obviously other other factors as well. But um, and I think that's where why what we're dealing with now is so much more complex than what we were dealing with then. But but we also need the operational paradigms to to work with that. Um, and I know, I mean, this is something we, we're definitely going to have to follow this up with another <laughs> conversation, mate, because because um, digging into that that automation piece a bit more. You're yeah. currently working, of course, for a service provider, right? Yes. You've got a very, very interesting perspective on the automation piece um, that probably is is a, perhaps a bit more advanced or a bit more um, a bit deeper than than your average um, enterprise network engineer. But um, just give us a flavor of what that automation looks like for, for you at the moment. Yeah, so I mean, um, it's a case of running running Python scripts, um, Ansible playbooks, Ginger templates. Um, it's a case of, 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 like I said, using other applications. So I've got things like Azure DevOps. Um, we've got things like GitHub as well to be able to actually validate the configuration changes, make sure it's all right before actually pushing it. So, so this is this is basically all workflow um, that's that's pr effectively predefined. Is that fair by 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 the tooling folk to to deliver standardization across? across the, yeah. the service provider right yeah so especially when when you're talking about um our core devices um the, the configurations are, are pretty much templated so right. if we want to make any actual changes um we end up having to actually update the specific templates so it's like one thing that that we've that, that i've done recently is um we've just had a, a bit of a bug with um some syslog files on junipers so what i've had to do is update the ginger templates um we uh push that out to our lab devices make sure that it was all up and working um and then it was then obviously once we've validated it made sure that it was okay we've checked the lab device make sure that we can obviously see the config on that device after doing the push and then we roll it out to production but then when it's actually rolled out to production is rather than it just doing the whole estate essentially yeah we'll just push it to a singular device and then what we'll then do is we'll then but we we will manually validate it just obviously because you still need to have that manual intervention even though it's all automated and it's all templated there needs to be a manual intervention to make sure that you are seeing exactly what you expect um and then once it's manually validated then you can start pushing out to the rest of the estate right. for the, the specific change 
<clears throat> so that template will be what in a version controlled repo and you know this is of course what we're learning as as throughout through our normal education that that this is you know in git somewhere and and uh, and version control and everything um but then you have these pipelines around that that repo that are delivering these changes into first your lab environment then as a one off to to one device in your production environment and then when that's been validated you can you can uh, open that change up to to everywhere right yeah yeah right. exactly that so so and um, when we were talking earlier um obviously you know th this this i'm assuming this pipeline is built and and tested and, and whatever by a development team There's, there'll be people look after that stuff that they'll take input from from the network folk to really fully understand that but this is this is you know formally developed as a as a software solution for for you guys but you mentioned that you are doing your own ad hoc type scripts and and stuff now what what would that be for if that's not for pushing config so with regards to sort of like the ad hoc um python scripts um it could potentially be something like if if i'm looking to do uh, an ip audit so right. we've got we've got so so many prefixes that we need to check through we're not going to check through each device so so what we will do is we'll basically run an nmap on, on run an nmap on the specific prefixes we'll see which are responsive and then what we can do is then we can essentially put all of the hosts into um like a host file and then we can essentially just create our own python scripts run this against the host file um with the um device names in yeah um and it'll basically come back and say if it's responsive if it's not what the ip range is um so those are, are sort of like other little side tasks rather than yeah. working with the main but i suppose these are key operational tasks right that, that what you're basically doing is making more efficient because once upon a time I would have sat down with a with an Excel spreadsheet and been SSHing into every one of those things yeah. to try and find what what those you know what that information was, and I'd, I'd record it in a spreadsheet. And I guess that's the other thing that that you'll you'll be doing now, right? Is using uh, more appropriate tooling, I suppose, for actually storing this stuff. Yeah. So I mean, it, essentially, when our script is run. Um, I mean, I, I use VSC, so I'll just put them into a file in VSC and then we, we use um, like Jira just to keep on top of task updates. So sure. potentially just to upload a file into the uh, into the Jira task yeah. with all the information in there rather than on a spreadsheet. And for the for the network <laughs> itself and the devices in the network, you're going to need a source of truth, right? So what what kind of are you, what are you using Netbox or? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, okay, so we, okay. we use Netbox. There we go. So, um, so I guess again, you've got that ability to script against that as well, right? API driven, so you can you can do checks against the the source of truth from the network and and yeah. bring, be able to pull all that information together. Yeah, see what IPs are in there. Go right. off specific device names. Uh, you can potentially start deep diving it more with with more information on like IPs and VLANs if you really wanted to, but just even based off this conversation, just like it, it's genuinely mind blowing how fast technology has moved forward. I mean, it's been mind blowing for me and I've, I've been in 
the sort of networking industry for about eight years now. Right. So I mean, I bet from when you started, he's literally been like no, a, you full, don't, don't, a full life cycle. Don't don't even start. And and it's and you know, I mean, I I always joke about being the the, the network old dog, um, you know, trying to trying to learn new tricks and stuff. And and uh, it's that's the point here right as and and i find this with networking folk generally right is that we are very a open to 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 looking at new approaches and new ways of doing things and b we're so obsessed with the technology and learning it and staying on top of it and uh, you were used the word earlier actually <laughs> when we were talking before we started this um giddy right that that's yeah. what we get we just get giddy with it and do you know what that is that is how we are right yeah I, I just don't think there's any other way to describe it we just we we get obsessed um yeah you know. i mean it's it's just obviously you start on one thing but then it's just like oh but this is coming out so so I, I just let me look into that and then literally maybe a couple of hours later oh i've just seen that and then you kind <laughs> of come to realization you're like i haven't got enough time to look at all these certain things what am i going to do and it's just like, yeah, I mean, just just being able to work on on the automation side of things. Because yeah. when I first started, it's only recently in my current position at the moment that I'm kind of getting into all all the automation side sure. of things. So like you say, applications, things like that. And it's just like being able to see your, your script running it, pull back all the information that you're requesting it to. Yeah, it, it's like. It's like the dark arts, you could call it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is that is that your future? Then, do you think? Do you think that's where you see see this being going forward? Um, maybe, maybe not. Okay. I mean, I'd, I'll be I'll be completely honest with you and say, um, I'm a networker kind of through and through. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of my bread and butter. I mean, I'm luckily, still like I've still got fire in my belly. I still love learning about all the new technologies. I mean, at the minute, um studying for my JNC RPSP and it's like uh, I've just started quality. looking into multi multicast. <laughs> but then I'm kind of I'm kind of at the point oh, where fantastic. I'm like, I don't know whether I need to be excited or kind of scared because it's such a huge topic to look into. I think, I think the two in equal measure um is a is a good good approach. I, it does sound like you've been scarred by the C experience still, mate. I've got to tell you. Yeah, I mean, I I, I only I only did it for a week as well, so I, I don't I wouldn't like to think if I stayed any longer. Um, but a hundred percent, I mean, um, as soon as I've got my my IPSP, I mean, I want to start looking into this more. Um, I mean, I, I follow certain people in the community who are doing a lot with like Antibles, so I think it's IPv6 Sean Sean Kavner. Uh, yes, um, yeah, he's yeah. he's doing a lot with Ansible um he's he's putting that up on twitter um but just being able to to see like the benefits that it can bring and i mean you see it nowadays with with how many net devops engineers um that, that are being hired and and brought in to obviously yeah. make the network and make the business more efficient but yeah i don't know may i'm, I'm i am going to start delving more into automation but yeah, I think it's I think that's a healthy attitude. I think when it boils down to it, what you're uh, being a networker, um, you want to give the best network service you can to 
the people who pay the bills basically because because without that you know you, you won't have a role to play anyway so so that becomes an important part of it that that this isn't this, you want to make your life easier and better for yourself for your colleagues but you also want to make sure that the business is getting the the service it, it needs and and i think that that balance means that a you you can't avoid but get involved in the automation space but think of it as a tool um and think of it as as you know how do i how do i use it to get where get what what i need it to be unless you you know unless you want to go down the path of becoming a software developer and then it's a whole different a whole different ball game and i think there's yeah. there's a lot of people are still treading that line trying to work out you know what which way am i going to go because you do see yeah. people get get completely consumed by the whole devnet thing and whatever which is fantastic for them because that means that they've clearly decided that's that that's a path and the more developers we have with network experience the better you know in, yeah. in the sense of developing tooling but um yeah i think it's a i think it's opened up a lot of doors um i think yeah. if, if i think if i had been looking at it now i'd still probably have said done much as you sort of kept to the networking side of things but, but yeah always kept a mind open but, yeah 100 uh, yeah. i mean i think i think you said it you, you sort of hit the nail on the head again i mean that obviously you've got your networking but then you've, you've got your, your software as well yeah but it's how can they be combined for for, for to make better results yeah essentially yeah. which is what so, we're all because they work, they work exactly they, they work hand in hand yeah so and i think that the, the network tooling has always been difficult to get right I think certainly over the years I've been using using all of the tools, no, there's never anything been exactly right. You know, there's always been things that we could do better, things that we could uh, apply different logic to or whatever it was in order to, to sort of get it closer to what we needed it to be. Now we're in a position where we can be much more flexible about that to apply yeah. proper real logic to um, to that tooling um it's opened a lot of doors but we still need the support and the love of our development yeah. colleagues to to help us uh, deliver that service um i'm conscious that i'm burning through your time here mate, so <laughs> I, I don't want to keep you too much longer have you got anything that you would like to leave us with um no i, I mean based off this conversation i i would like to think that there will be another episode where we can actually start yeah, absolutely well deep deep diving more so rather than because he's just kind of scratching the surface but no thank you very much for having me it's, it's an absolute pleasure, always. yeah always good to talk but uh yeah we will definitely uh line up uh, line up another recording session to to dig a bit into that service provider automation because that's uh an area that uh there's still uh yeah clouded in mystery i think for a lot yeah so i think it is awesome all right well thank you for your time my friend we will speak again soon definitely thanks man. Cheers, man.